Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. everybody. Welcome to the PBSC podcast. Uh, it's great to be with you guys today. Steve Moore here along with Mark Castleman. Uh, we're just enjoying the gradual thawing out of winter here where we're located. We hope that you guys are enjoying the same. It is far too cold for my taste. So I am looking for something warmer and I, I know many of you are as well. Um, we have a really good uh, podcast today planned. Um, good question that came through from a from one of our uh, partners of an addict, uh, listeners. And we're not going to read the whole thing today for sake of time. We want to keep it brief, but we're going to kind of focus in on the on the, on the main piece. And this actually consists of two different communications that we had with her because the first one was good, but it was a little bit vague. So I'll kind of read it in, in, in two portions. Uh, just a quick background with this. Um, uh, there has been, it's a husband and a wife. They've been married for some time. Um, they're a couple of years past uh, the D-Day, Disclosure Day process. Uh, they've made some good, uh, good progress, but there is a strong history of past betrayal and and uh, the addict partner. He was doing a lot of secret keeping and things like that. Um, but they they did a D day and they've been making some good progress. They both have therapists. Uh, they have put couples therapy on hold for a little bit, but are doing some twelve step work as well. And she wrote in with this. She has she and her husband have a really strong religious background. Um, she writes in and and uh, talking about. Uh, an affair that he had as part of his acting out, a physical affair. And he says, uh, and, and he, this is regarding uh, things that he learned in it. He said, I'm just kind of starting mid-sentence. He also feels a sense of having been accepted on some level by his affair partner, having been able to express his, quote, true sexual identity, unquote, with his acting out. As time passes, I wonder if we will ever be able to heal within our relationship. How can I, after all the trauma, really feel secure knowing that he found something within his addiction that he had always made sense to him, although he had kept his feelings hidden before? We have both been hugely changed by this experience. I get that, but it feels hard to accept that amongst all the lies and hurt, he found a piece of himself. 
Now we wrote her back because it was the, the email was quite lengthy and it wasn't clear which component she was relating to when she said, you know, he found something authentic about himself in this really hard and this obviously very dysfunctional behavior of his. And then she writes back and she specified, I guess what he has shared, however, within his recovery journey is that for the first time within some of his acting out relationships with, with, uh, with other women, he was able to talk openly about his sexuality and find quote acceptance unquote with that. And yes, that has been hard for me to hear just for context. He'd not been able to do that. He grew up in a strongly, strongly religious family. A lot of what they describe as religious repression around topics of sexuality. So he found that really liberating. He can now see that his openness did not lead to true intimacy within those relationships. But what he hopes for is that we may be able to move forward and build more openness into our relationship. So she's and so in other words, he really liked the, the communication, the vulnerability, being able to just be real. That wasn't something he'd been able to do around sex. So I guess that that quote piece of himself, unquote, he doesn't want to lose is rooted in open communication. I can see some sense in that. But as a betrayed partner, it is hard to find a way through knowing where this has come from. It would feel simpler if he was saying uh, that everything about his addiction was something he wanted to recover from and leave behind. Great submission. Yeah, I can, uh, I can really relate to this. You know, what she's, what she's saying is, you know, how can, how can anything good come from this living hell Mm. that he's, that he's put me through? And I can, you know, I could really relate to that from my own experience. So when I, when, when I got married, I was, we often talk about you, you bring all the, into the marriage, you bring the physical baggage and the, all the boxes you're moving into your house. Mm-hmm. You also move the invisible baggage. You bring all that luggage with you that you can't see. And boy, did I bring a bunch of luggage that my wife couldn't see. And for me, it was two sides to this. <clears throat> One was the religiously repressed side, right? That I was taught that, you know, sex was dirty, dark, and evil. So be sure and save it for someone you really care about, right? And just all, just, just rigid and really strong, puritanical, you know, boundaries on it. And just a lot of shame around mm-hmm. human sexuality, it's almost like a failing or a flaw or like a weakness. Yeah, it's a weakness. It's <clears throat> it's something that if you engage in it and you enjoy it too much and, mm. and there's something wrong with you, that it's, you know, it's a sin. I brought a very, very heavy, heavy influence of that all the way back to my early childhood from, from uh, different people in my family that were horribly abused and had a lot of shame. And they were very rigid pulpit pounders, I call them, right? They would pound the pulpit about this. So I brought all of that with me. And then you have to understand that the, that the place I went to as a kid to learn to cope and self-soothe and medicate all of the abuse and trauma and shame was the whole pornography, you know, sexual outlet side. And so that whole world taught, went to the opposite extreme of the religious shame and showed me a whole other excessive world that yeah. wasn't healthy and was highly destructive right? The one where the, where the male is serviced by the female. It's all about the man. It's all about the focus on male genitalia and just all the, all of the stuff that is, you know, quote, preached from the pornography. So I had the religious, religious, religious rigidity preaching at me. I had the pornography preaching at me and here comes Mark caught between that vice grip into his marriage. Mm. And I can tell you it was not healthy. 
Mm-hmm. It was it was not healthy. It was not pleasant. I'm, I'm not going to talk about really a lot of personal stuff, but it took about a decade for my wife and I to straighten all that out. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The title of this, you know, the title of this is, you know, is there any good that can be learned from sex addiction behaviors and betrayal trauma? Mm-hmm. When I got into recovery and I started to get healthy, I was able to, I was taught how to step back and, and go back into the shoes of that kid that was religiously repressed, where sex was, was, you know, dirty and bad and evil, and to look at the vantage point from the kid, you know, educated by porn. And what, it, what I learned from both of those is that I didn't want either of those. Hmm. I wanted to find where was the truly healthy place for my, for my wife and I. And it wasn't in either of those places, I can tell you. But I wouldn't have known that in some ways had I not had that vantage point to look back on. So there, yeah. there were things to learn from both of those. Now, let me be, let me be crystal clear. There was, there was virtually nothing from the pornography world that I would say, you know, taught me healthy sexuality. And then I went and mirrored it in my marriage. That is not true. Yeah. There was a ton of stuff that I learned from pornography that was highly destructive, caused me to objectify my wife, caused me to use her, you know, as my porn outlet. There wasn't anything that I consider good that came from that experience. So please don't misunderstand me if you're listening. But it was so far removed from the religious rigid side that I that I at least gave me a perspective where I knew that there had to be something in between. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I appreciate you saying that, Mark. I, I, this is a hard topic and, and we really do empathize and connect with you, you partners out there where you find yourself in a position like this, because it, it can be, it, I think it's totally natural why one would want to globalize anything tied with, you know, an addict partner's boorish behavior as, as to anything positive. Right. I think that there's a real desire and and I think it even makes just a lot of sense to say this was just a horrible, awful time and this was wrong and, and destructive and all the things that it was. And we need a brand new relationship. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. And as I look back on my history with my wife in recovery, and, and I think about a lot of the clients that I've worked with over the years, you know, I think that there's that natural component to that where we want to kind of tie a bow around that past and say, well, that was the past, right? And so now this marriage 2.0, it's nothing like that. But I think that the reality is, is that every experience, when I step back from it and, and I do my best to look at it objectively, every experience that we have does give us experience, right? For better or for worse. I was talking to a client the other day about, this is kind of unrelated, but it demonstrates the same point. We were talking about getting into a good 12-step group. And he was talking about, well, Steve, there's lots of good 12-step groups out there, but I hear there's like lots of really bad ones. Like, you know, they're going to be like all anti-wife and it's just going to, you know, we were talking about some of the concerns and I said, you know, that very well may be. And I said, in my search for a good 12-step group, I did a lot of shopping around, but I learned something from every one of those groups. Even if the only thing I learned was I am never going back there. Mm -hmm. Right. That group I can cross off the list and that's one that I'm never going back to. And I think that that same kind of a concept applies here, right? We have, here we have some lessons that have been learned in the crucible of this process through very bad, destructive, 
means, I mean, as an addict, I can reference with this in other ways besides what Mark is saying, right? I, I was, I was horrible to my wife, emotionally, very cruel. And in some ways, emotionally, very abusive to her, um, and said and did some very awful, terrible things. And I don't, I don't have a gratitude for those things in the sense of, you know, geez, so good that I went out and got an addiction and everybody should go get an addiction so you can fix your marriage. You know, if your marriage is struggling with little pieces, go get an addiction, bring it to the brink of whatever. And then you'll, you know, you'll learn some stuff. Obviously would never say that to anybody because the road that my wife and I walked because of the road I took us on primarily was awful. But those things that I learned about myself that weren't okay, the things about myself that I did learn that, that were okay. There were little pieces and bits along the way. And for me and for her that we found as we moved along the process that even though they had been learned in that awful crucible, they were valuable lessons, right? And that even though something is valuable, it doesn't mean that we we want to necessarily get rid of it. Um, even though it does hail from a very painful time or painful experience. Yeah. Yeah, there's another uh, there's another phrase we often learn called lessons from lust. Mm, yeah. And you think, what the heck? How can anything good be learned from lust? And yet, in our recovery, if we step back and look at what lust was for us, right? And there's just so many things. It was my place of soothing. It was my place to feel uh, a counterfeit for true connection. It was my, it was my pleasure palace. It was the place I went when when I was stressed out in life. It was how I rewarded myself for working hard. All these different things that that lust can can teach me why I went there. Mm-hmm. If I look at why I went there, I can say, "Wow, look at all these character defects. Look at all these areas where I have weakness. Look at all the places that I went and falsely sought for answers." It could never deliver those to me because it was so destructive. But wow, did I gain insight into Mark's needs and all the places where I needed to find ways to healthily address those issues. The addiction showed me that. Here's all the places, Mark, where you're a really needy guy and you've got to learn how to address these core things or this symptom is going to keep dominating your life. So if this guy learned that he could have an open sexuality, he could actually talk to another human being about sexual things, the opposite of what his religious rigidity had taught him, it's it's tragic that he had to learn it from that place. That's awful. Yes. But how can he and his spouse now take that lesson and how can they carry it forward together and and turn it into something beautiful? Absolutely. And we know that for the spouses who find themselves in a position like this, or addicts for that matter, there's a lot of trauma that obviously these lessons are are are, are come out of. Huge. That's a lot of traumatic gold panning to pull a little couple of teeny gold nuggets of wisdom. Isn't that of, true? Yeah. Right. And, and, and we know that's a lot of sifting and um, that the response from this partner makes complete sense. And this is definitely a good a good place where you can enlist the help of someone who who's skilled in doing good trauma work who can help you to pull out those healthy lessons those healthy components of that and be able to reframe and heal from the parts of that that are not mm-hmm. um so that you can learn those lessons going i mean those 
I, I, I heard a quote once. It's a political quote. I'm going to slaughter. I can't remember the full quote, but you know, the, we have given up so much in this addiction, both addicts and spouses in terms of, you know, blood, tears, and treasure. We really have right in, in our fight for better marriages, a better life, better communication, better connection, intimacy, growth. There's so much that we sacrificed along the way. Um, we should be taking something from it. I hope you know, yeah. there should be things that we learn from all that sacrifice and from all that struggle and from all that hard. Could we, and maybe even should we have learned them in better ways? Well, yes. Right. Um, but that, but the fact that that something had a negative, a negative initial source doesn't necessarily mean that it's something you want to, you know, throw that baby out with the bathwater when it comes to, to the recovery process. So Pairing pairing those lessons with some good work that way, that's definitely where we would re- recommend spouses and again, you addicts if need to be to go to so that you can you can move because we see addicts struggle with this all the time where they get stuck in the shame dynamic and caught up in, in that world. And sometimes the shame can be over so overwhelming. It's easy for them as well just to say, well, this was just crap and I just need to be someone different. But if we don't go back and analyze and look at those things that we've learned, well, those are lost lessons. Yeah. So, um, well, and you know, lo and behold, there's actually a place <laughs> where if you want to take ugliness and horrible, terrible decisions and trauma and all of the crap, and you want to take those, those bitter lemons and find ways to turn them into lemonade in your, in your, in your personal lives and relationships, there's a place where you can do that. Yes. It's called Dare to Connect. Yeah, and we would love to see all of you to come over there because we we do have we have this wonderful way of taking the ugly and turning it into something that can actually be beautiful going forward. And we do it we do it in in all of our Dare to Connect sessions four times a week. Yes, don't uh, don't if you're wondering about taking the plunge, please take the plunge. Uh, the introductory rate that we've maintained on the program for quite some time is going away, and beginning March first, we'll be at our new updated price point. Um, still, it is going to be an amazing deal um, for what the program offers, but it is a significant increase. And if you want to lock in that rate long-term for life of where it is now, now's the time. If you're thinking about joining, come grab the two-week free trial. We'd love to have you come join us. Um, we're doing great things over there every day. And our addict session this morning was awesome. We had more addicts on there than we've ever had, actually. Yeah, it was, it was it amazing. Kind of happens week session. after week. So anyway, um, well, thank you so much, as always, for inviting us into your homes and, and into your hearts. We know that these are just such difficult topics each of you face. Uh, this 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 is, as a colleague of mine once put it, this fight for love. It's it's hard. It really is. Uh, fight for love, fight for connection, finding that authenticity and genuineness in a world that constantly preaches the opposite. It's a struggle. And uh, we, we would love to have you come join us at D2C, and we love having you here at PBSE. So, you can find more info about Dare to Connect at uh, daretoconnectnow.com. And if you would like to send anything to the podcast, you can reach us at the contact form at the bottom of the page, uh, pbscpodcast.com. All right, everybody, take care. And uh, we'll see you next time in our, our next episode. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.